0: it i think we miss not just the importance but the seriousness the privilege obviously we know there's supposed to be power behind prayer but i think the reality of prayer misses the vision of many believers and it's huge it's what defined christ it's what defined his life It's how he, did you ever notice that Jesus never prayed for sick people? He just healed them. Prayer took place before. When he was alone with his father, when he was up on the hill, when he'd get up early in the morning or he'd stay late at night. When he would spend those times in prayer, he would spend time in his presence. Now, I've told you many times that faith is not something you can muster up. You can't develop, how do I say this? You, you, you can't invent faith in your life. God's the one who puts faith into our lives. How does that take place? It takes place by presence. If you're not knowing God's presence, I'll guarantee you, you're not walking a life of faith. You might be walking a life of discipline. Good for you. You might be able to, you know, self-control a lot of different things. Good for you. No, I'm sorry, if you put a tub of ice cream in front of me, I've got lousy self-control. But we're not called to walk by self-control. We're called to walk by faith. And if it's not something that we can produce, then how do we know faith in our lives? I'll say it again. It comes from presence. When, when you've been in God's presence... And, and you know that, that overwhelming, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, the skies parting and, you know, angels all around you and, and, and you know, lights going off or, or being knocked in the spirit or, you know, any of these types of things. You know his presence. And you know what? It's not going to be in, 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 in the stones beaten off the mountain. It's not going to be in the wind that tears through everything. It's not going to be in the earth shaking. A lot of times it's just in that still, quiet voice. And that changes everything. It might not change, you know, the circumstances, obviously, but it will change the person in the circumstances. And when that takes place, everything changes. You see, when I I come back to something like this, and I begin to walk through it, I've got to understand that I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. So, therefore, it's important for me to see the object of my faith, who is Christ. And the object of my faith in whom I rest. Remember the old hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust this sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Okay, that, that's that's exactly what it is. You know, I've been sinking deep in sin. I used to get in trouble at, with that song. Oh, man. When I, when I was a kid and I went to camp, you know, me and my buddies, you know, we didn't know any better. You know, we'd walk around singing that song, and this is how we'd sing it. We'd go, I've been sinking deep in sin. Not smart, but when you're in fifth and sixth grade, that's pretty much what you do. <laughs> but I can't even remember where I was at at this point. Yeah, we. Oui, I know. <laughs> I'm a big Frenchman, Wee. Oui. <laughs> but here's the thing. When I come to that place... Of presence, I find that it usually begins as worship and prayer. And when that happens, things happen. So when I walk out, I don't walk in sight, I don't walk according to that sight, I walk by faith. Faith cometh by and hearing by what? And who's that? Jesus. So it's not so... See, there's there's a spirit bearing witness with my spirit. We're joined together. So picture, if you will, Jesus, who's been out of town, and a buddy by the name of Lazarus has gotten really sick. And so because he's really sick, his sisters Martha and Mary send for Jesus to come and heal the guy. So... These guys take off and they go to find Jesus. And and and, and again, remember, I won't get into the, all the I taught you enough time on the timeline and everything. Jesus comes back with them. Lazarus has died. You go through the time of Martha talking to her, and then you come to Mary. And by the way, this isn't on your notes, but just enough to note this one thing if you read the passage of chapter 11 of John, that Martha comes and says certain words to Jesus. And you can tell the attitude there, right? Because she, she's in the face, right? In the face, like Mike is looking at me right now. <laughs> I'm here, Pastor. I, yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's in the face. But then it comes along, Mary, and you know what's interesting is she says the very same thing Martha will say, has said, but she says it from a different position. And where's that? At his feet. The way to, to Christ's heart is not through his face, but through his feet. And so he says, Show me where he's at. And she takes him. You know, there's been a little bit of an argument going on and say, What? You want to? But we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's the thing that when Jesus gets there, I want you to see this because he's, he's, not, he's not stoic, he's not unemotional. He has a heart. He feels, if he feels this, I can tell you he feels everything else. He knows what it means to be reject, feel rejection and scorn. He knows what it is to feel loneliness. My God, why hast thou, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He, I, I could show you, if I was to take, I've got to be careful. I'm going to go off on deep ends here. But I could take you and show you, and, and I, I might do this this Easter. When you get into those, what they call the seven last words of Christ, what he's going through from the time of the Garden of Gethsemane through the time that he calls out it's finished he will go. he will have gone through every curse that Deuteronomy calls out the, uh, sexual abuse you know, what Jesus was a sex yes he was friend you you think of Jesus on the cross being uh, you know on there and we call it naked but you know he's got the loincloth and everything he's hanging no man they ripped that sucker clean off you did you You got nailed to the cross, start butt naked, exposed, humiliated, abused, verbally, sexually, you name it. And and, and in all that, he's becoming us, or he has become us. What he's bearing on the cross is you and I. And not just our stuff, but us personally. So you got Jesus standing here, and and they've taken him to the gravesite, and he takes a look at everything. And before I get into the details of any of that stuff, take a look at what Jesus feels. It says there, Jesus wept. All right, close your eyes. I want you to memorize this verse. Just kidding. If you don't have this one memorized, (laughs) Jesus wept, but the volume. Of those two words reveals to me revelationally a side of Christ. And and just don't 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 go thinking just because he said it seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty, that he is, you know, he doesn't have those feelings anymore. He's God. Many of you might remember Lucille, who was here years ago. God rest her soul, but I loved, I loved her antics. You'd say something like that to her and she'd go, oh, spit. And that's true. God, Christ, is still very much, he is and feels and knows. He, he hasn't gone from human to being God. He's still human in that sense, but he's God. I, I don't want to put this. He is Seated at the right hand of God, He is making intercession for us. Means he, 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 He is responsible for our. He's we're on His prayer list. But there's even much more here, and, and that's so very key here. So understand something: Jesus wept. This is huge. This is huge. So, I want to take a look at at our next text, which is from First Peter, but. Understand, Peter, in in his epistle here, is writing to Asia Minor. He's writing to, yes, Jews, but he's also writing to Gentiles. Who he's writing to is believers, Christians. And they're going through hell. They're going through persecution. They're going through trials. There's some, some things that are of great concern. But he begins to encourage them and strengthen them. And, and guide them in, in certain words. And then he says this. He says in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of all things is near. Now, don't go think oh, he's talking about second coming way back then. No, he's getting into the history and the culture of that time under Nero and what was happening and the trials. and the Peter hadn't been arrested by this time. He's going to be. And they're going to kill him in fashion upside down kind of, crucifixion. But that's not the issue here. The issue is he's saying, hey, you know, this stuff's going to end one day. And therefore, he says to them, therefore, be what? Clear minded and self-controlled so that you can what? So that you can what? You. Be self-minded. I'm sorry, be clear minded and self-controlled. You know, when you're self-controlled, you're able to make choices. You're not impulsive. When you have a clear head, you're not being influenced by outward influences. Everybody, everybody wants that walk. Everybody want, you want to walk in authority, right? You, you want to be bold. You want, you, you, know, you want to be able to command and have power. You know, anytime we pray, we wanna we want to know power in our prayers, right? God, in the name of Jesus, you know, and and you know, i I've I've seen some pretty wild prayer meetings in my time. And I've seen some very powerful prayer meetings in my time. What's the difference? Man's presence, God's presence. Man doing everything he thinks to be right, saying all the right words, exercising the right way, versus being totally lost in God, yielded to Him. And I can go on and on. <laughs> but what I'm saying here is, <sighs> there's a lot of people. I'm going I'm to skip some stuff, otherwise I'm going to take forever here. Amen. But you know what? We we'll do things like we'll read a book, we'll listen to a podcast. We'll watch somebody on TV, and we'll get this an idea because it, uh, in our heads because it worked for them. Well, then surely it must work for me because God works in the same formula, right? Formula here. For, you, know how many, you know how many Christian formulas have come down the road? Quite a few. I'm not arguing that it didn't work for them, but that doesn't mean that it works for me. I need to discover God for myself. You know, I grew up on the, coat. you know, I'm, I'm a third generation Pentecost. And, and my parents, you know, grew up on the coattails of their parents and what they walked through and so forth. And I, I didn't want coattails as a young person. <laughs> I didn't want anything close to coattails. I wanted what I wanted. I wanted what was out there. I wanted in with my friends. You know, I won't go into all the stuff that I crossed over in, but I was a mess, But there came a point, and I won't go into it right now, there came a point where I realized, first of all, I needed Christ. I needed a Lord and a Savior. But second of all, what I realized is I needed to discover him for myself. I I didn't want to discover my dad's God or my grandfather's God. I needed to discover my God. And so many of us live according to the concept of, of other people and are influenced in such a way that we don't really settle for or we settle for what they have and we try to make it work in our lives, and then we're not minded and we're not in self control. We try to make things work and things don't work. Hello, because there's a there's a difference when it comes to you and Christ personally. It's if you're trying to make things work by. You know, I love reading. You don't have to go very far but my library to understand that I love to read. I love to study. I love to to look at what people are saying and, and things that have happened. But I also realize that while those things are good and they add to my understanding and knowledge of things, that does not change my dependency to discover God for myself. And boy, is he so much better at being a teacher than they are. They're good teachers. But when God teaches you something, you know it's true. And and I say that because, you know, we'll, we'll do that and, and we'll, we'll add to that and try to get in our heads that we're supposed to be this kind of a Christian, right? That we should be living victoriously and our lives should be doing this and this should be happening. You know, I can think back. I'm old enough. I can get in trouble here, right? You know, I'm sorry, but I, I remember the days when, you know, there was... Uh, you know, name it and claim it kind of thing going around. And, uh, boy, a lot of people were into that, and it would work for a couple people, and, you know, they'd tear down other people, and other people are trying to name it and claim it, or the prosperity movement, or sowing seed kind of things, and that really got off track. There, you know, there was, there, was there, there, there wasn't, you know, there was curious maniacs going around. I'm just kidding. I'm getting it all of but, but my point is, there were fads, people trying different things, people getting into different minds. And, and the problem was, we weren't discovering God, we were discovering ideas. And we were discovering theologies that were, well, they weren't really theologies, they were more doctrines than anything, teachings. And, and, and you know what, what's been, what's, those things aren't around anymore. Because after a while, they kind of fade out. I, I, I get that. And I'm not saying that there wasn't truth to them. I'm not trying to talk them down. There's some very good teaching and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong on that, but what I'm trying to say is when you put your faith, and it's an interesting choice of word there, when you put your faith in, 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 a, in a man's idea and God's bore, no witness, all of a sudden what you're doing is trying to get excited over something somebody said. When was the last time you got excited about what God said to you personally, privately, still quiet voice? And don't kid yourself. God wants to talk to you. God wants you to hear his voice. God wants you to know his heart. God wants to increase your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding. He wants to open your eyes of understanding. He wants to bring you revelation. There's nothing short. And and if for one moment you let your head get in the way and say, well, I'm not worthy. I, I don't really probably have a good enough relationship with God. I got news for you. You have done, listen to the wrong spirit. Devil and Satan are not his names, they're his titles. One is Greek, one is Hebrew, and they mean what? Slanderer and deceiver. I might get to this message today, I'm not sure. But what I'm trying to say to you is in that he will deceive you and he will slander you and he will deceive you, and he will slander you. And as a result, it's all mind games. Paul is desperate when he says to you, hey, 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 be transformed by the renewing. How do you do that? Well, one way is by prayer and by worship. Well, I don't know what the, you know, I get upset when people don't feel, uh, don't know how to be honest before God. I came to God the other morning and just said, "God, man, I'm a mess. Just, just things in my head, things everywhere. It wasn't about sinfulness. I, my, I was just a mess. Okay, you reach a point sometimes, you get so tired, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen. And, and you reach that point where you're tired of hurting, you're tired of moving, you're tired of, you're tired of working. Do I have a witness in the house? So, anyways, you can put your hand down, Rick. It's okay. He just got saved back there. It's an incredible move. But, but I'm saying, you know, you reach, but you know, well, you know, that's not something I'm supposed to, you know, you try to pray for things, and, and yet you don't pray for things because you don't feel like you're worthy of praying for things or you don't know how. You just don't even know how to be honest. God, I'm a mess. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say. I don't even know how I'm supposed to approach you. Yeah, I know to glorify you and to magnify your name. And I know how to pray your prayer of thy kingdom come and give me this, you know, give me my daily bread and all that fun stuff and forgive this and that. But Lord, right now, I'll tell you what. And, you know, God says to you, hey, well, first of all, you know, don't live according to your emotions. Hello? My emotions can mess me up. I'm an emotional guy. Okay, I... I get so excited when I'm cooking. It's an emotional thing, right? When I eat, it's, can you tell? It's an emotional thing. And I'm a very emotional person. But my point being, very simply, is, is that it, it's, it's, it's not about my emotions, it's who he really is. And just because I'm not emotionally feeling something or emotionally... Not, not knowing something doesn't change who he is. So that transforms my mind as I renew it in that. And I become clear-headed and self-controlled, focused. Because the enemy's deceptive and a slanderer. Anybody mess up this week? Anybody blow it? Some of you are sitting here going, oh, that's pretty good. Right there, you just blew it. <laughs> it's called pride. You soulish person, you. But but the truth of the matter is we all mess it up, right? And, and <laughs> how many people got everything right this week? May I see your hand? Okay, Wendy and Tony I don't even know how to preach at this point. (laughs) But when I come back to the fact that, you know, my life is not perfect, and I mess it up, and I keep walking through what I walk through, the devil will use that against me every time. How can God (laughs) use you? How can you talk to people? How can you love people? How can you... Hang your head out there and and be the believer. You know, God's not going to do anything through you. Look at you. You're sick in body. You're, you're sick in the head. You're sick in your spirit. And, and God can't use somebody like you. you you're, you're a loser, you know. And, and 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 he will do that. I mean, he will slander you. And 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 you know, you I've heard you've heard me say it a thousand times, but. He'll he'll tell you things like, if God really loves you, you wouldn't be in the shape you're in right now. You'd be walking healed, full of strength. You wouldn't have lost your spouse. You wouldn't have lost your kid. Oh, he's good at that stuff, isn't he? He'll just mess you up. He'll deceive you in thinking this is the right way when you know in here, but not up here, it's making sense, right? We justified it a long time ago. We go down here. Mm -mm, No, we know it's this way over here, from here. But that's the way he does things. He slanders and he deceives. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. i got to be holy and acceptable. Well, yeah. But you can't do that of your own. You only can do that in Christ. And that's how you come to him. You don't come to God. You come come to him how? Jesus said, They that worship me shall worship me how? In spirit and in truth. He didn't say those who worship me shall worship me from their minds. Oh, goodness sake. That would be the sickest worship I would ever find, right? The reality is... When I worship him, look, 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 the enemy slanders, the enemy deceives. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Peter's talking about being clear-minded and self-controlled. And look at, look at the last part. He says, so that you can pray. So, how's your head affecting your prayers? What are the words that you're actually pray? You know, I, I know what those desperate prayers sound like. I've prayed a few myself. I've prayed that one word desperate before. You don't know which one I'm talking about? God! That's all I could say. And I didn't say it soft. Because when you're in that place, you know what you're going to do. And uh, you might want to calm the person down there next to you. <coughs> but my point being is that we come to God in prayer with our minds not clear and totally out of control. And yet we're a Christian, which tells me we haven't spent much time in his presence. We might know a whole lot. And we might have read a whole lot, and we might have listened to a lot of things, a whole lot. But the truth of the matter is, you know, James talks about, and I'm so sorry about this, folks. But I just, I just, mm, James talks about the prayers of a righteous man does what? Mm, the prayers of, how many, how many here uh, are sitting next to a righteous person whose prayers availeth much? You're sitting next to a person who lays down over back. He's going, yeah, man. He's sitting. Nobody's around him, you know? (laughs) No. uh, 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 uh. Okay, let let me get to the point. You know, there's some some play on words there. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now, if you turn that wording around, and, and you study it out, okay? Don't just take my word for it. Please do some studying. Let God show you some stuff. But if I was to give you the literal meaning of that, it would literally say that the in rot, the in heart, that birthed in here prayers of a man right before God is going to avail much. Let me, let me simplify it. The God birthed prayers. The God birthed prayers. Okay, now now let's let's put put ourselves on, on the measuring rod. The prayers that we're praying, how God birthed are they? Oh God, I need that new car. Oh God, if that boy will just like me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Lord, if I get that promotion at work, Lord, if I get that job, Lord, Lord, I just, I, I, I just, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be more, Lord. We're we're very superficial without really understanding what it means to be honest before God. Now I'm gonna say this again. The in rot, the God birth prayers we can they avail much you are righteous because he has declared you righteous well, i don't feel very righteous well thank god you don't live according to your feelings start living according to what he's saying follow him And watch what it changes. Okay? If you want other people to judge you, fine. Let them judge you because that's not scriptural. And we judge fruits, yes. But the reality is you're not righteous because you're doing everything right. You're righteous because he's righteous who is joined to you who makes you righteous. You live by and because of and are found in him by grace. And, and with that grace, may it abound. But friend, I'm going to tell you what, if you still stay where you're continually staying and live according to the way you're still continuing to, to live and all you're doing is continuing to pedal on a stationary bike, you might sweat and work out and you might even get in better shape being able to control things in your life a little bit better. But you're not going anywhere. That's, that's what I say every time I look at that thing. I don't want to. What's the sense of getting under? I'm not going anywhere. i uh, just got just gotten some more trouble. Yeah. You know, I guess I come back to this and, and, and I think to myself okay, God birth prayers. You know what those are? They're the prayers of the heart of God. I know it sounds stupid and weird and what have you, but I'm, I, I shared something with you last week that has been, I can't, I can't describe the heaviness I feel for the Ukraine people, okay? It's just, it's just between me and God, he knows that, I'm sharing it with you because that's a God birth thing. I'm just, you know, I stand around waiting for the, for the hammer to drop, so to speak, I'm tired of the rhetoric and everything else, but my burden is for those people because there's been a bond that God's created and a love that God's put in my heart for them. I can't pronounce their names. I can't pronounce their streets or their cities. I can eat their food. It's good. I have them on Facebook and I pray for them. I pray for them. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. I don't. And I just bring them before God. I put them in his arms, the very best place they can be. But that's called in rot. God birthed. And I'm asking you this morning, when was the last time God birthed a prayer in you? To just be honest about it. You might not even know how to pray for it. Congratulations. Don't let the enemy beat you up over that. And don't use it as an excuse to avoid it. It's another topic in this message, but I'll get to this message sooner or later. But I want to come back to this for a second and and, and, and say, I got, I got an hour and a half yet to go. The end of all things is near. Do I have to be a prophet to tell you when spring is coming? How do you know it's spring? What's, what's the first thing you look for? A what, Robin? I look for brown ones. I don't know where you find red ones, but... I just look for robins. <gasps> There's a robin. <laughs> Hi, robin. <laughs> that was sick. I know, I know, But, you know, you look for the signs, correct? You look for the change of the seasons. The snow begins to disappear. Things start popping out of the ground. Terry and Debbie Lee begin to dig through the dirt around the church. Things begin to move. Things begin to happen. There's a change, and all of a sudden it starts getting what? Warmer. Do I really need to tell you that Jesus is coming back soon? If I I do, all you're looking for is some fancy preaching on last day prophecy, which kind of, you know, everybody, ooh, ooh, yeah. Talk to me in private about that later, but I'm here to tell you that when you scare somebody in the kingdom of God, six months later, you've got to scare them back again. I'm here to tell you who God is, and that's what I want to share with you. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the soon eminent return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the seasons are a-changing, my friend. You can tell it's the return season. And, and it's different. It's different than any other war. It's different than any other time. It's different from any other culture that has ever been on this earth at any time. You can look around and realize that I believe with all my heart there's a, there's, there's, there, there, there's a, there's a stirring going on. There's going to be a meeting in the air in that sweet, sweet bye and bye. Okay, had to get that in. I just... It's one of the mornings, friend. I apologize. No, I don't apologize. Thank you, Jesus. But here's what I'm coming down to, and here's what I want to say to you. God's calling on you and your prayer life like never, behind, never before... Thinking towards the end of my message, instead of "What I'm wanting to say to you, like ever before, there is a time for the church to rise up in prayer." And you know, I, uh, you know, I'm, hmm, 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 hmm. L- let me let me just 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 say this. You know, uh, I'm going to give you my one point, one point message. Wow, but the truth is. Go ahead. The Christian walk doesn't work without prayer. Not a form. Not a little bit. And I'm a huge believer in corporate prayer. But I'm not talking about corporate prayer as far as your walk. Okay? I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about praying for your food before you eat it which probably a lot of people don't even do that anymore I'm talking about prayer the privilege that God has given us to communicate with him it's better than any smartphone better than any internet it's <laughs> it's better than any roku or amazon prime or anything else along those lines it is entering in to the very throne room of god by the blood by the life of jesus can you give me the next slide Trying to find time to pray becomes a struggle rather than knowing what it means to struggle in prayer. I don't think the percentage is very large of people who have struggled in prayer. Those needs, those issues, those heartfelt things. not many people here who are parents who've lost a child. And know what the anguish is when you're praying and don't see. And you're wondering what's wrong. your mind plays tricks. And all sorts of things happen. People come up with their suggestions and everything. Kathy and I became good friends of the family when we were associates. An eight-year-old little, eight little girl with an Emma Carrie, had leukemia. We prayed. We believed God. We struggled. It'll go from one episode to another episode. And then, and then you know what you had? You had these loving believers who would send them these beautiful cards and then they'd write things in there like this. You need to take her off her medicine to prove your faith to God. When you take her off of medicine, she'll be healed. Or then they'd they pick apart some things in their lives, or something along this line. That was that if this was happening, or if that took place, or if you did this this way, you are are are, are carrying in your arms an eight-year-old little girl. Your eight-year-old little girl, and she's dying of cancer, and people begin to hit you with all the things you're doing wrong so that you're not walking in faith when you've been spending every amount of time you possibly can talking and in the presence of God. Do I know why God doesn't heal everybody? No, but that's going to be one of my top five questions when I get to heaven. But I can tell you this. One night at Akron Children's Hospital, I went in to see her, and you know they this is back before they had stem cells and all this other stuff and and so she she wasn't doing real good, but she she passed her she said, and I, I went over and she said, "I want to show you my picture." She drew this picture, and she drew her family and stuff down here and then. She put two stars up in the sky, around by the moon. She says, you know who these two stars are? I said, no. She said, me and Jesus. For a guy that likes to talk a lot, I didn't have much to say. and I knew in my heart to let her talk about it. She was happy. She was looking forward to it. She says, I'm going to be with Jesus. See, we in our, our stuck heads go, that's wrong. Well, isn't that the design for all of us is to be with him? I mean, I understand we were not created to die. We were created to live. So our nature is to survive. So we try to look young until we're 102. You know, we, we put on our makeup, we put on our hair, and, and you know, for some people, if they don't have the hair, they put on their wigs. It's a pretty big industry out there. To try to deny death. And as I sat with this little girl, I tell you, it was some of the hardest stuff I've ever done. You can ask Kathy. We still talk about it because she so impacted our lives. But don't tell me those parents weren't praying. Don't tell me that those parents weren't following God's heart and being torn apart at the same time you know what? It's not natural for parents to lose a kid. It's natural for kids to lose their parents. And when Carrie passed away, they still had another son. But they went through it. And don't think that just because you're a Christian, you won't go through things. You will. How many know that as a couple, when you lose a kid, you're going to grieve, but you're going to Grieve at different places. You're not going to grieve on the same level, and what happens at that point is is that you you withdraw yourselves. You become lonely. You begin up getting upset because this other person is not not meeting you at the place that you're grieving here, and and so it just it becomes a tension and for an anger and and, and it's just like, oh man. If there was ever a time that they needed support from those around them for the love of God to pour through them. It was a time like that. I can tell you God's healed them. God's restored them. God's done an incredible thing in their lives. I haven't seen them now for a few years. When I first came here, they visited here. (laughs) Good couple. But I'm here to tell you God wants to speak to you. God wants to talk to you. And God wants you to talk to Him. What He places in your heart is not by chance. And if He's not able to put things on and in your heart, then you're too busy for God. Because unfortunately, instead of struggling in prayer, we look for time. if you're not praying, my friend, you've become a champion in making excuses. Don't you just love me right now? huh? Come on, bring in the love. But it's true. If you can't, I mean, go back to that, that, that first slide there, not the scripture, but the, the, the one about the Christian walk doesn't work without prayer. It just doesn't. You might look it, you might dress like it, you might talk it, but I can guarantee it's not working because you don't have that relationship. You're not following him. You, you might look to him, and you might. I'm not saying you're not saved, okay? Please don't sit there and think, I'm saying, hey, he said I'm not saved, that I'm going to hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, chances are you're real close to it. you're dead. Can can I have just a couple more minutes? All in favor say aye. I'm not asking for the opposed. You've done lost. (laughs) How many ever go out to your garbage can, open the lid, and all these flies, and then all these white things? Let's talk about maggot city, shall we? Why is that? Because flies love rot. What are you looking at me for like that? It's the truth. I mean, the flies come in on the dead things, and what do they do? They lay their eggs. And here's an interesting thought, that maggots... I mean, because here, here's the thing. When, when, when you're dead, your heart starts beating, which means that oxygen is not getting to your tissues and your, your other organs and so forth. So your body, you know, it, it, it dies. Rigor mortar sets in and decay, and the worms crawl in and the worms crawl out and all that fun stuff. But, but here's the thing. I, 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 you know, I didn't realize this until I researched it. But that maggots can consume a human corpse. Not, they can consume, what is it, about 70%, 80% of a, of, a, of a human corpse in about seven days. Now, you won't hear that in any church but here at Revenant Assembly of God. Can you find that one slide that talks about dead? It's a few slides down. Let me me announce to you. If your life is without prayer, especially without enraught prayer, the devil's going to come in and he's going to lay his eggs. Because guess what? Death stops what God created to function. Prayer is to function In your life. God created you for that. Prayer is communion with God. God didn't create you so you could just be off by yourself doing your own little thing going. No. He created you to walk in fellowship and commune with him. When he sent his son Jesus Christ. It was to restore you to that place. And when he. Died, rose again, ascended, and sent forth His Spirit, which is called the finished work of Christ, by the way. He did so to restore us to that relationship with Him. So that my sin, which separated me, that I was born into, is now defeated. Defeated. What did Jesus say to Martha and Mary when he stood outside the grave and he looked at the tomb of Lazarus? What did he say? He said that, but what did he say later on down when he's actually at the grave? He said, remove the stone. Say what? You got you got to move stone and look to see that he's actually dead. Two versions going on here, friends. One the way Jesus saw it, and two the way Martha saw it. Martha saw death. She saw finality. She saw no hope. Right. So so as a result, <coughs> excuse me. You know, she's going, she she's got all the she's done justified, man. Ain't nothing gonna happen now, Jesus. You're flat out of luck, <laughs> loser. Jesus is saying, uh-uh. There's a miracle waiting to come out, but you gotta get the obstacle out of the way. Remove the stone. There's life waiting to come out. Of death, friend. That's what he's saying. To, that, that's, that's the prayer he's he's speaking. Is is you know is go, go, uh, John eleven thirty nine? There, I think it is. You see it? Yeah. Take away the stone, Martha, said the sister, and Lord. By this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Truth of the matter is, you know, Lazarus was dead four days. He was dead before the guys even got to where Jesus was. So, how many have miracles buried where you have no hope, you think? It's dead. There's a stench. It stinketh. There's no hope. You know what Jesus is saying to you today? Get the stinking stone out of the way. There's life waiting to come out of that thing. Don't give up. Don't shut down. For the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking into our hearts and lives. I know there's more. There's more that you're wanting to say. And Lord, I thank you for what you're sharing now even in their hearts but I look forward to how much more you're going to share with them. Right now I pray speak to that mountain be removed into the sea. I pray that the stone be removed. I pray life in hearts and lives. I pray this morning, there is an inwrought prayer. There is a God birth prayer that begins to take place in their lives. Holy Spirit, in this place this morning, convict us of our unbelief. Convict us of our excuses. Convict us of our sidetracks. Forgive us for being too busy. Forgive us for not being clear-minded and self-controlled. Forgive us for not taking serious your heart when it comes to prayer. Teach us. Give us wisdom. Stir us I pray, awaken us. Open our eyes. Allow us to be moved throughout the day even, not just at one time, but cause us to take a few moments and pray and to realize your heart and to spend time in your presence and to be people of faith. Bless, I pray, this church, your people, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can somebody give God praise this morning? I just feel like, man, we need to... (laughs) Worship team, you can make your way up. Oh, Wendy, let's try that video just for the fun of it and see if it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It, the music sound doesn't come on for a, for a minute or two. but Oh, it's okay, Gene. If it works, then we'll shut them off. I don't think it's going to work. Nope, it's not working. I'm going to play that song for you one day. And when I play it, you're going to know why. It's a song done by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir called Pray. And it will stir your heart like it's... You can cut the video. Oh, my goodness. Shut the lights off. Turn it on again. Start it again. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. Uh, start it from the beginning. Start it from the beginning. Do you know how to start it from the beginning? Ah, thank you. Would you rise with me? And let's thank God for the sound. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let me preface this while this is starting. Hear the words. Get lost with God this morning. Let his presence overwhelm you. Watch your prayers be answered. If you want to find a place to pray around here, I want to invite you to do so. If you want to find Jesus. In I'd times you. of sorrow, come on. Seasons of pain, mm. when all seems hopeless, Why Something soft, guys. But uh, Terry, I'm going to ask you to step right over here. Glacia and Tony, come here. hmm Okay. hmm Mr. Mike, I'm going to ask you to stand behind Tony.